You are listening to The Heart of Christ, a year-long podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. Throughout 2022, we will spend time reflecting on Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, so we can come to know not only what Jesus has done, but who he is. What is his deepest heart for his people, people who are weary, stumbling, sinners, and sufferers? So we invite you to grab your Bibles, prepare your hearts, and come along with us as we find rest in the gentle and lowly heart of Christ. Welcome to episode four of The Heart of Christ. My name is Keith Winder, one of the pastors at Wheatland, and today I'm joined by Kristen Zimmerman. Kristen is a member of Wheatland and serves as our director of children's ministry. Kristen and her husband, Dane, have three children, Sabine, Beck, and Ansel. And Kristen and I will be reflecting on chapter five of Gentle and Lowly, which is titled, He Can Deal Gently. Jesus can deal gently, Kristen, in case you're wondering. (laughs) Uh, so thanks for agreeing to do this, Kristen. And before we get going, I want you to tell us a bit about yourself in case people listening and have no idea who you are, or maybe they know you, but not so well. So share. All right. Thanks, Keith, for having me. And uh, I'll begin by saying way back in 1976, I was born in Oregon and uh, moved back to California when I was, oh, wait, you didn't want the life narration. Well, maybe a little less than that. (laughs) But now you gave away your age. Exactly. A proud 45. That's very nice of you. Uh, But no, I grew up on the West Coast. My parents moved us to the Midwest uh, when I was 16, 17. I decamped from there to Ukraine for a couple of years, serving with a YWAM-like missions organization. Came back, went to college, met in Canada, where I met Dane from Lancaster. Uh, And then in our married life, we spent a number of years up in Boston uh, going to grad school and eventually made our way back here to Lancaster. So you could consider me an import to Mm -hmm. Lancaster. Um, I'm sure people from Lancaster would consider you (laughs) an import. Or I say I'm married in. That's true, you did. Yeah, yeah. You had that connection. Got it that way. My professional background is actually in international development. That was my educational background. Um, And following living overseas, I came back and worked with uh, Mennonite Central Committee and did a lot of travel internationally with them. So that's kind of my where and when and how of a background. But uh, as a person, uh, yeah, I've already said, my identity as a mom, wife, uh, things I like. I like to walk, I like to read, I like to bake. Um, those are some of the activities I like. So you like to read. Here's a question. Mm. If you listen to an audiobook, <laughs> does it count as reading? Uh, one like of his favorite questions. If you listen to an audio, if you, li- if you were listening to Gentle and Lowly yes. instead of reading it. I, oh, oh. I didn't mean, I just gave away what I think. Yeah, so yeah. if you were listening to Gentle Lowly and someone said, what's a good book that you read this year? Would you say I read Gentle, oh, I read Gentle and Lowly, or would you say I listened to Gentle and Lowly? 
Oh, I'd probably say I read, mm, even okay. much to your chagrin. That's but too bad. That's listen, too bad. read. That's all the time we have, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so the question that I ask people uh, when we start is now. So maybe you've read this whole book, or maybe you've just read five chapters. But either way, before oh you before you've read this, uh, Dane Ortland says the only time Jesus describes himself is hard is when he says he's gentle and lowly in heart. Before you'd read this, if someone had asked you, what is Jesus like? Like, Kristen, tell me about Jesus. Not necessarily what he did, like, oh, he died on the cross for me. But what is Jesus like? What are some ways you would have described Jesus? I think I would have fallen back on Sunday school answers, which I don't think is bad, but it's all just like, oh, Jesus is meek. He's lowly. He befriends children. Um, He... Uh, represents us to God. All true, but mm-hmm. probably less mm, emotional mm-hmm. answers mm-hmm. of not tapping into um, how Jesus carried himself, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. And it's interesting, like, one thing I really liked about this book is how it's describing these things that flow out of Jesus. So it's it's heart things, but then they flow out into yeah, how he carries himself or the way that he interacts with people and the way that the way that he loves people or sympathizes, like last chapter talked about. And the last two chapters uh, relate, I think, um, even more so than the other one. The first three, not that they felt disconnected, but he's really kept four and five together when he's talked about Jesus as our high priest and that Jesus sympathizes with us in the midst of our temptation because he's felt the weakness that we feel being a human being. And he sympathizes, but yet without sin. And then Orland says that now Jesus' sympathy draws us toward himself. And when he is near to us, gentleness is what comes out, in a sense. His sympathy brings us close, him close, and then gentleness flows out. So when you think about Jesus dealing gently with people, are there specific stories or a specific interaction in the Bible that you see and think, oh, like that's, when I think of Jesus being gentle, that's what I picture in my mind. Yeah. I think the first one that like jumped in my mind was Jesus saying, bring the little children to me when Mm -hmm. his apostles were pushing them away or even just trying to manage the event, if you will. Yeah. Um, I've done a number of event management <laughs> things myself, <laughs> uh, working with organization, <clears throat> excuse me, like doing workshops or doing like big conferences sort of thing. And also as part of my personality, it's very much like, let's get things in order and then march to the order. Mm. Uh, there's a formula, there's a system, let's uh, enact it sort of thing and so I thought of Jesus being gentle in the sense of here's his apostles coming to me like this isn't running right and Jesus switches the uh, attention from how things are supposed to run (laughs) to the people and to the littlest of these Hmm. Um, the other example I thought of was like when James and Peter right And John? James, Peter, and John? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Whoever was arguing about being first and sitting next. Yeah, yeah. 
The brothers. The brothers, yes. And mm-hmm. maybe it's because I have two sons who mm-hmm. sometimes argue this very line mm-hmm. uh, of basically, <laughs> like, who's the most important, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and, like, my inclination as parents is to be like, ah, neither of you is important, yeah. more so than the other. Like, get it right, get it in your heads, yeah. sort of thing. And Jesus' response was more understanding he kind of connected to where they are and he also said look i'm not the decision maker on this like god is yeah right so um don't don't this argument is kind of misplaced yeah. I why are we well. doing this yeah. right yeah. but instead of coming down on being like you should not be arguing about this this mm-hmm. is stupid you know yeah, yeah that's really I, I don't think i've ever thought about that but i really love that that jesus I can't think of a time when Jesus was just managing people. Like I've never, I, I love that. I've never thought about that, that Jesus in all of his interactions never, his primary task, he's never thought, oh, I got to manage the situation. Like he's always engaging in people. Now, of course, in, in the end, that does sort of manage a situation, but he does it through his relationships with people rather than thinking, I'm going to manage this and that's going to shape these, these people. And my tendency is to manage. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think one of the things that um, stopped me on that is like in parenting or, or parenting literature, help books sort of thing, they talk about the difference between transactional based relationships and like connective or, or connecting mm-hmm. um, relationally. And uh, it's that same idea of like, Jesus doesn't manage people and then hope they learn their lessons. Yeah, yeah. He comes, and Dane Ortland draws this out, like he comes near to us as we come near to him. Mm-hmm. In fact, as I was reading uh, this, it occurred to me, I don't really like, like the hashtags of uh, various things. Mm-hmm. I just kind of think they're trite and <laughs> laugh them off. But... Uh, without offending anyone, I'll name uh, hashtag bless this mess. Remember mm-hmm. when this was real popular oh, yeah, a few yes, years ago? Yeah. And one of the things I thought um, from the invitation to bring ourselves to Jesus is that that hashtag would be theologically more rich if it was hashtag bring the mess. Yeah, 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 right. Right? <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. It's not like abstractly, bless this mess, we know this is the mess, but Jesus is inviting us to bring it mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, yeah. So that's my new hashtag. Right. Bring yeah. the mess. That would be the sermon title if someone was preaching on come to me, all you who are yeah. weary and heavy laden. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's bringing the mess. It's interesting, too, to think about... Um, managing situations or managing people and that's not what jesus does uh ortland keeps talking about he well he does a bunch of greek work which i know you and i we already knew it all right right as scholars um it was but, a good refresher yeah it was, <laughs> that's what it was yeah but the image of jesus being calm and tender rather than throwing i think he said this rather than throwing up his hands yes uh, was wonderful for me because i tend to want to manage situations rather than engage in people. And when I'm trying to manage something and I can't, one of our tendencies, well, one tendency would just be to get really angry and sort of enforce, I am going to manage yes. this. Or the other is to throw up your arms and be like, I, I can't do this. 
And nowhere is this more apparent than at home with kids. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so that's what I do. Like I, I tend to 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 throw up my hands or deal harshly with people. I can think of ways that as a kid, like I was afraid of uh, a teacher or a parent that they were going to deal harshly with me and throw up their arms, or even as an adult, like that a boss when I'm struggling and I'm sinning or suffering, that a boss is going to do it. And now I just rather than learning from that. I just do it uh, now as an adult to my to my kids, but that's why I thought this discussion was so beautiful about Jesus that he never throws up his arms and says I'm done with you. Like every time when we keep coming to him, when we keep bringing the mess, he keeps saying like Yes, this is what I want. This is what yes, I long for. Yeah. I want you to come so I can be so I can be gentle with you, and. That's hard, like in a con, it's a concept in a sense. I think that's hard to get. But one way it helps us is when we have people in our lives that model that for us. So hopefully I model that better and better for my kids right. and my family. Have you had people who have modeled that uh, in your life? People that you thought, like, oh, when I'm suffering, when I'm sinning, they're going to be gentle with me. Maybe not every time, but like I, I see a pattern of gentleness towards me. The, uh, this was a hard one for me because I think you you want to look for uh, exemplary Christian examples mm-hmm. and maybe not all the people, I know at least professionally, not all of the people in my life have been Christians, obviously. Um, and I had two opposite examples of uh, supervisors. One who was very demeaning, very uh, critical of work. Um, if I got the smallest thing r- wrong, it was a personal insult. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the the book of how not to be a boss, basically. <laughs> yeah. They had read it and implemented it. In <laughs> right. Uh, contrasted with another boss who was very supportive and asked what I needed to be able to, um, you know, finish something out or correct something mm-hmm. or improve something um, and was just much more encouraging. And you can guess which one I gave better work to <laughs> or responded yeah, exactly. more uh, exactly. helpful. Yeah. But actually, when, when you asked this question, I also thought of um, Dane, my husband, because... <laughs> Good work, um, Dane. What's that? Or bad work. I'm not sure. If this, yeah, I'm not right. sure if this is going to be. Is this a good, a good example. example or a bad? No. It's hanging in the balance for Dane right now. Exactly. And to settle that balance, no, it's a good <laughs> example. Um, just because of my personality and the person I am, I tend to be very uh, formula driven. Like I want to figure out the right way to do whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, clean the house, uh, you know, uh, live my life, (laughs) whatever it is, Um, establish Bible habits. And Dane has always been very gentle and encouraging. Like sometimes he just kind of chuckles at me, (laughs) but it's it's like a gentle chuckle, not a Uh like exasperation of like, oh, you've tried to figure this formula out again and here's trial number 4B sort of thing but he'll be like encouraging and and he mainly is just intrigued and wants to hear what Mm -hmm. i'm thinking and what i'm doing and i think that's similar to how um orland paints 
Jesus or exposes Jesus of mm-hmm. like it's the bring the mess yeah you know yeah. like it's the coming to Jesus in all things so we can experience uh, his great joy his mm-hmm. um, his love yeah. yeah sort of thing not so his interaction with us not so we can be um, just because he, he likes us, yeah. right? He, yeah. We are his creation. Yeah, like we tend to hold back in the midst of sin and suffering because we think it's going to be a bad thing when if we engage with Jesus yes. in relationship or in prayer. But Jesus keeps showing us that no, like when you come, it's going to be a good thing. This right. is what I want. This is what I want to happen. This is the whole point of repentance and confession that I can come and I can assure you of forgiveness and love it's not yeah i'm gonna go to jesus and this is gonna make it even worse and now i'm gonna feel even worse about myself jesus keeps saying no come i i long to make this better i long to bring gentleness uh i long to bring you gentleness and forgiveness the only problem is if you hold out until the end and never bring yeah like that's yeah that's the that's the bad thing that's the bad thing it's never bringing things to Mm -hmm. jesus it's never the bad thing is not bringing. Yeah, right, right. It's it's the hiding and the running. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of my kids recently, uh, who will go nameless, has been accusing me. I've been thinking, and Ortland brings together in chapter 4 and 5 this sympathizing with us and being gentle, and he keeps tying them together. And uh, I struggle with this because, like, because I'm a, I'm a, a task person and because I like to manage, like we're saying, and so one of my kids, who is much less task-driven uh, and more people-driven, has accused me recently. He keeps, oh, the child keeps saying, <laughs> he keeps saying, you're not listening to me. You're not listening to me. And I think if he uh, had a really deep theological mind, Lincoln would say, you're not sympathizing with yeah. me. Uh, because I think that's what, when people say you're not listening to me, I think what they're really saying is like you're not you're not sympathizing. Not it's not that you're not hearing the words. It's you're not it's not sinking in, and you're not willing. You're not being willing to suffer with me, to connect with me, to yeah, to to come into my experience or whatever I'm struggling with. So Orland seems to think. So I want to see. Are you going to disagree with him? He seems to think that these things go together. That it is really, really difficult to be consistently gentle with people if you're not sympathizing with them. Or, said positively, he seems to argue that when you sympathize with others, it fuels our ability and our desire to be gentle. So what do you think about that connection that he has made? How does sympathizing with others fuel our ability and our desire to be gentle? Yeah, the um, I think it does because if we're sympathizing, uh, we're removing the overactive I from the picture. Um, you know, you talk about listening, and I do this all the time myself. I listen. But it's not a true active listening. I'm I'm thinking, what is my response going to be? Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. without giving space to put myself into that other person's shoes or 
seek to understand mm -hmm. uh, what they are experiencing or what they're trying to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. uh, listening for what's behind the words, if you will. Right. Yeah, because if we're thinking about what we want to say next, we're not even allowing ourselves to engage in what they're saying or because it's even harder to engage in the experience that's behind whatever they're saying because yeah we've blocked ourselves off to that even that possibility right yeah. yeah yeah i think about when like when you when you talked about with your eyes like i think about in matthew 7 with i have the log in my eye and i see the speck mm. and like i cannot sympathize with whatever's going on with whatever they're struggling with so then I just judged them and I was like, you got to get that out. You got to get that right. stupid speck out of there. Like, what's wrong with you? Uh, and that's the opposite. Maybe in a sense, Matthew 7 there is the opposite of gentleness because it's saying, no, you're not, you're not sympathizing at all with their struggle. And because of that, you can't be gentle. You're going to be harsh. You're going to judge. You're going to chastise them in the midst of this relationship. Another thing um, that I think we have to hear about the gentleness of Christ, which I, I found this, I believe this to be true, but in practicality, it is so hard uh, that Jesus is not just gentle with a certain group of Christians. Like he's not just gentle with the Christians right. who don't just, oh, well, you sin, you do all the little bad things, so I'm gonna be gentle with you. But there's another group of people that Jesus is gonna tend to throw up his arms because you're doing all the bad sins. Whatever the intentional the versus the accidental. Yeah, right, yeah. And that's why, so I, when I first read, I think it's on the front, like the first page, he always has these little quick clips or something like that of the verse. Yeah, so Jesus can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward. Well, ignorant sounds like a really bad word. Like we don't tend to use that word in the way that it's being used by the author of Hebrews. But it's more about, like you said, ignorant is the unintentional sin. It's mm -hmm. the... Oh, I didn't even know, in a sense, or this was accidental. Omission. Yeah, Simple yeah. Omission. And then wayward is, I knew what I was doing, and I did it anyway. Catch me if you can. Yeah, but Jesus is gentle with both of those. Like, yeah. And that's, I'm, that's, that's powerful for me. And I, I thought of it in the way of, we often think about like vis the vicious cycle of sin. And sin is a vicious cycle. But this is a beautiful cycle in the sense of, we sin, we come to Jesus in repentance, and then Jesus gives us rest with his gentleness. And it's gonna happen again. I'm gonna sin, but I've gotta keep coming back to Jesus, and he's gonna, he's gonna treat me gently. And so it is this cycle that I wish didn't have to happen, but Jesus, uh, knowing that it's necessary in a sense, wants it to happen. He doesn't want me to sin, but then he wants, he wants to keep doing this over and over again. So when you think, when you reflect on yourself, how does the gentleness of Jesus pull you in toward him? Rather than running away, rather than hiding, how does Jesus' gentleness actually pull you toward him in the midst of your sin? I think that as we've been talking about gentleness and sympathy, those are... Um, their their uh, actions, beliefs, thoughts, feelings uh, displayed towards the other. Um, mm -hmm. They're not things that uh, are self-actualization, like I, I will do this better sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Uh -huh. It requires you to um, 
to use the old Bible language, lay down self, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think if I'm thinking about how Jesus uh, is gentle and lowly, it's a contrast a little bit to the idea of approaching Jesus transactionally as my savior. Uh, I've got to report the bad things, mm -hmm. i.e. confess them, but report yeah. them, yeah. get my clearance and go yeah. back out uh -huh. <laughs> and do things. Like yeah. that, I don't think that's, I mean, that's the cycle, but I don't think that's, the response that Christ is inviting mm. us to by mm. the characteristics that he displays. Yeah. Um, he instead is saying, like, come to me with everything. Just come to me. Yeah. And I think yeah. that um, if you think about how we grew up as children, what our, how our parents engaged with us, how we engage as parents with our kids, with friends, so I think the most meaningful relationships are those that you have room to come without fear of needing to transact getting your brownie points mm -hmm. for the day. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, I love that. That's because if if forgiveness uh, is merely transaction, then it's not that attractive to go in. Like, it's not attraction. It's not attractive. Yeah, if, if forgiveness is merely a transaction, then it does feel like we're walking up to a window. We're submitting yeah. the things that we've done wrong, and we get a stamp that says forgiven, and we walk off. And I think sometimes when we think, we think of the atonement that way, and in a sense, yes, because that, so that happens. But, um, so yes, we, all of our sins do get the stamp of forgiven because of Jesus. But... It's not walking up to a window. Like this is in the midst of a relationship with someone who really loves you and cares for you and wants to sit with you and put their arm around you. And it's all these relational things rather than just, this isn't a stamp, uh, which we can tend to think of it that way. That this is just this, yeah. oh, oh, like I'm so thankful for that transaction. Like when we, when, we, when we confess sin together corporately and then individually and receive assurance of pardon in our worship service. Yes. Like, yes, there's a, transaction happening yeah. but but it shouldn't it should never feel that way because that's not what god's doing he's forgiving us because of love and relationship and that's a very different thing yeah than the transaction yeah. i think it's the it might be the difference between a practice or something that's a rote behavior mm -hmm. yeah you know, yeah. like a practice is maybe a, a specified series of steps that you go through um, to to give life to to a relationship or to to be able to um, be with someone, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas taking the <laughs> taking the sins to the window, getting a stamp of approval, that that's less about uh, steps of practice through confession or liturgy mm -hmm. um, and more of a sign-off transactional yeah. experience. Right. I also think, that, so I'm going to tie this into the example that Ortland cites from the work of John Owen mm -hmm. in the 17th century, uh -huh. where he gives the example of, uh, he tries to paint the picture of Jesus' response to us 
being that of a nursing father. Full stop. Anyone heard of a nursing <laughs> father before? It did get me to thinking about the analogy I would use, which would be a nursing mother, mm -hmm. and which I think is also biblically used. Yeah. Um, but the response is uh, not just an intellectual one. When a mother hears her infant crying, she has a bodily, physical response to, to a nursing infant. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, I know I can, I think our tradition does, tends to overthink and intellectualize things. And so to have the picture painted of Jesus sympathizing, meaning that he can step into the mindset mm -hmm. only, of a nursing father responding to his infant's cry, I think misses the fuller picture of bringing our body into it, bringing Jesus's humanity into it, of like the full experience, head, body, soul, I guess, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. of a response mm -hmm. or a, or a um, hug <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From, uh, from Jesus. I think that's, um, I don't think, Portland would argue on that right. account, right. but um, yeah. I, for me, that picture, paints a fuller picture of mm -hmm. what Jesus says, sympathy or drawing near when we bring the mess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, I like that because the, the sort of physical, the embodied work of gentleness, uh, like it, it has to be embodied. Um, it's why when we think about this transaction, if it was merely transactional forgiveness and God's love toward us, then you could just send a letter in with the list of all your sins and you just get it back in the mail that happened. Yeah. But no, like this is an embodied thing that is meant to happen between people. And so is gentleness. And it reminds me, I've been uh, thinking a lot about this idea of proximity recently. And an author that I like, his name is Brian Stevenson. He argues that proximity shapes the way that we view others. So like our embodied closeness to people uh, shapes the way that we view others and it drives how we treat them. He, he makes this argument, we're talking about towns and he says, you know, oftentimes people say, oh, that's a bad part of town, stay away from that part of the town. Uh, don't invest in that part of town because it's gonna be a disaster. And he says that we have to find uh, ways of collectively embracing uh, hurting communities and hurting people, or you could say sinners and sufferers. We have to find ways to collectively embrace them because that embrace and love becomes a witness to, to communities and it becomes transformative. So rather than sort of keeping people and communities at arm's length, and we see this in Jesus, rather than avoiding them, we get close to them and we come near to them. And I think that's what's happening with this uh, Jesus sympathizing and that sympathy leading to, to gentleness. So I think that's what Jesus does with us in this sinning and suffering. It's this embodied movement that draws us close to, that it draws us close to him, and then in that closeness, he deals with us gently. Hmm. And so I, I love that idea because I think that's what transforms us, that harshness never transforms anybody. Like I've never seen harshness transform someone for the better. But, but this love and gentleness does transform us and could transform communities as well. Yeah, it, it brings to mind, so I actually was reading yesterday or today um, a newsletter from uh, Laura Wilbert Ferguson, mm -hmm. and uh, the title of the newsletter was The Hospitality of God. 
And she's reflecting on, um, I think, a Lady Lodge conference that she mm-hmm. went to that the um, that Norman Worsla was at. And so she talks about her takeaway from that conference was on hospitality, um, was this uh, four-sentence note card that she has in her windowsill or something mm-hmm. like that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read it and then talk about how it connects back to um, mm. the our topic at hand. Um, she she has written out making room for the other, welcoming the other into your life, nurturing the life of the other, liberating the other into their life. Mm. And she talks about how hospitality is not about what I feel when I let you in, but what mm. others know when they leave. Mm. And because it's under the heading of the hospitality of God, I thought it was a really neat, poignant um, connection to gentle and lowly and this idea of Christ being sympathetic and um, not showing us harshness because harshness comes from rules that I put in place Mm -hmm. and you're not measuring up. Yeah, yeah. Whereas it's... I think the takeaway from this chapter on he can deal gently is that we can come to him and it's about how we leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not about um, what he feels about us because Jesus has, the scripture lays out what he thinks of us mm-hmm. or what he feels about yeah. us, right? Yeah. Yeah. But unless we come and into his presence and bring things to him will never experience um, what it means to walk away with that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's wonderful um, because that is the image of the foundational idea in this book that we come weary and heavy laden and then we go. Yeah, and we receive we receive rest, and so in the hospitality of God we. We leave, we don't leave the relationship, but we leave that particular interaction in a sense yes. uh, now with rest and knowing that we're loved and knowing that we're cared for. In the same way that when we are hospitable to people, yeah, it's not about us, it's about, oh, when they leave, they know, like, I was cared for, I was loved, I was welcomed. And I now, was desired. Yeah, and now I want to go back. <laughs> yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's that beautiful cycle then for us when we think about the hospitality of God and the gentleness of God. It, it makes us want to, I want to go back. Like the next time I'm struggling right. and I'm hurting, like I want to go back because I know this is the way that God's going to love me. And it makes yeah. it more than a chore mm-hmm. or a Christian rule. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. may, it uh, gives a richer meaning to... Uh, the personal Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He now truly is a friend. Yeah. He truly is. Well, thanks, Kristen. Thanks for joining us. Um, we are looking forward to continuing to do this. Next time we'll uh, discuss, not we, you and I, don't yeah, worry. Don't, don't get, <laughs> don't, don't get uh, worried. Uh, chapter six, and we look forward to continuing to walk through this book together. And Uh, For those of you who are following along, I remind you that we will be meeting on the first Sunday in March again on Sunday evening at 6.30 for our next worship gathering sort of centered around this book and its ideas.
thank you for listening to The Heart of Christ, a podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit wheatlandpca.org.